Thank you for tuning in to Beyond the Dais, a podcast about the stories taking place in and around El Paso County, Colorado. I'm your host, Scott Anderson, and joining me today is Angela Rose, the Executive Director with CASA of the Pikes Peak Region, and CASA, of course, standing for the Court-Appointed Special Advocates. So how are you doing today, Angela? I'm doing great, Scott. Thanks for having us. Great. Did I get that acronym right? You did, okay. yes. Thank Wonderful. you. Good. Uh, so today we'll be talking about how CASA is putting American Rescue Plan Act grant funds to good use in the community. Uh, but first, if you're interested in more stories about ARPA funding throughout El Paso County, or hearing from county leadership about local government priorities and how they operate, you can find additional episodes of this podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, But let's go ahead and get into it. Angela, if you could uh, share a bit of background about CASA. How long have you guys been here in the El Paso County region, and what is your main mission? Well, starting here in 2023, this is our 34th year uh, in the area, and so we are a well-established nonprofit here. And what we do is we advocate for abused and neglected children that have an open case in the child welfare system. So many um, years ago, actually about 40 years ago, uh, National CASA started. And the way it started was in the state of Washington with a judge named Judge Sukup, who was going through cases every day of kids who were in the child welfare system. And he said, gosh, I just don't feel like I have enough information to make great decisions about these kids. And he went out and got a group of community volunteers and asked them if they would be interested in working with these kids and getting more information so he could make the best decisions possible about what was in their best interest on these cases. So he did that, and now, um, 40 years later, there's over 900 programs across the United States. And here in Colorado, we have 18 local programs that are serving. We, we break CASAs up by judicial districts. So CASA of the Pikes Peak Region serves the 4th Judicial District, which is all of El Paso and Teller County. And how many advocates do you have working with the 4th Judicial Court? We have 400 uh, volunteers wow. here or, or advocates. We have four programs, but our main program is uh, dependency and neglect. And so about 300 of those 400 volunteers serve that program. And I just want to comment that CASA is a little different from some nonprofits in that a lot of times volunteers are kind of there to support the staff and the work that they're doing for these families. But here at CASA, our staff is here to support the volunteers, and the volunteers are on the front lines doing the hard work with these children and families. Wonderful. And you mentioned this a little bit, but could you go into a little bit more detail about the uh, people you serve in the communities that you serve? Absolutely. So um, our our families are um, anyone who's in the child welfare system. Uh, that the children specifically that we serve start at age zero. You know, they might have just been born, let's say, drug addicted in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So we start with them right away, all the way up to age eighteen. And then we have a few kids who might have developmental disabilities that will stay with us until they move into the adult system at twenty one. But for the most part, it's kids zero to eighteen. And just anyone, you know, it, it can be, they, unfortunately, um, kids who have been abused and neglected come from all different kinds of uh, families and could be your neighbor or in your neighborhood. Um, and so that's how we get acquainted with them is when they enter the court system. So after submitting your grant request to the county, which every organization did that received ARPA funding, uh, CASA was awarded $60,000 of that funding. Uh, can you talk about what that money has gone to fund? Yeah, so the way we're using it is we're paying about half of a case supervisor's salary each year for three years, so about $20,000 a year. 
And the case supervisors are the ones who help those volunteers, support volunteers who are out there doing the work for these cases. So that case supervisor works directly with volunteers who works directly with the the kids and families that we serve. So those case volunteers, what are some of their job responsibilities? You say they're in charge of uh, more supervisory roles for those children. Can you talk about what it is they do on a daily basis? Yeah, I will. And I, I want to just start by saying that they are very thoroughly screened, background checked, and go through about 30 hours of training before they ever get assigned to a case. And then they actually become a party to a case and are appointed by judges to these cases and have to be sworn in in order to be on a case. Um, so I think that's that's important. That's, it mm-hmm. takes a lot of work for them to even to be able to be a volunteer. Sure. But then the things they do, you know, they're required to be with those kids at least twice a month. And they visit with biological parents and foster parents and school teachers and therapists if uh, a therapist might be involved. So anyone who's involved in that child's life, why this case is open, our volunteers go out and gather information from them. And then they write a report to the judge every time there's a court hearing, which is every 60 to 90 days. And they tell the judge in that court report all of the information they've been gathering, as well as making recommendations at the end of the report of what they think is in the best interest of that child. During the time that we do that, a lot of times they're helping to hook them up with resources for either the children and or the parents in the community. You know, our goal is to reunite these families whenever possible. And so even though our main objective is to advocate for the children, we help the parents whenever we can along the way, because if the parents don't get healthy, we can't reunite the kids with their parents. So when they are working with the court system, are they testifying in court as well? Or is it just mostly through the reports that they share? Mostly through the reports. Every once in a while, we'll be asked to testify. But for the most part, it's just oral reports during those uh, cases, uh, during the court hearings, and then um, also through the reports. I mean, I, I have to imagine that's got to be a, it's got to be a difficult job, you know, working with uh, kids in that situation. Uh, my wife was a social worker for 10 years and worked with the foster care system and uh, working with the parents and getting uh, children placed in, in different foster homes. And, you know, it's it's difficult. There's there was never a day where she wouldn't come home and have you know a story she you know had to share and you know just to just to kind of get it off her chest, right? So, yeah. uh, what support is available for those caseworkers and and you know how are they how are you guys able to help them manage uh, that caseload that they have? Well, the the volunteers um, are always supported by the staff here. Whatever they need, we're always there for them. We also do have a support group. Uh, We also really encourage self-care, whatever that might look like for uh, each, each volunteer. It might be something different, but really encourage them to take advantage of that. We also try to uh, have several things throughout the year where we invite the volunteers to come together. And sometimes if they can just share a little bit with each other about what's going on with the case and be a support for one another, that helps them as well. Yeah, that's really great. I I think, you know, having, having support systems in place is just extremely important for, I think, any job. That, that is out there, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, especially when you're working with children in, in difficult situations, I, I think uh, having those in place is great. So it's, it's great that they, ha- they have that here. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit. How has working with other nonprofit organizations in the area benefited the programs that you guys are working on? 
Well, I think, um, as, as you well know, no nonprofit can do this by themselves. And I think each nonprofit, we're really blessed to have so many great nonprofits in Colorado Springs and El Paso County. And I think each nonprofit does whatever it is they do really well. You know, we advocate for children really well, but there's other things that we can't provide for kids, like kids who might not have enough food in their home or um, kids who um, need to be hooked up with some kind of a therapist or um, a family that might be suffering from homelessness or drug addiction. And there are nonprofits that, you know, that is their niche here in the area is they serve those needs. And so we work really closely with the Department of Human Services. Here we, we don't directly hook families up with resources, but we definitely advocate for those resources for these families. So we are well aware of the other nonprofits in the area and hooking these families up with those because the the families that are in this position generally need a lot of help, not just the advocacy work from us, but help in a lot of different areas. And so the more resources we can hook them up with that are already available here in our great community, that's what we do. Great. And, you know, in your name, it's the Corn Appointed Special Advocates. That's a lot of what you are. Uh, are there any other programs that you guys have uh, that you'd like to share with listeners? Yeah, I think one in particular, we do supervised visitation and exchanges. So those families also come to us from the court. A lot of those families would be involved with substance abuse, mental illness, or domestic violence. And so they come here so that they can do a safe visit uh, with their families. And um, I, I encourage people, you know, that's something that someone else could refer to us besides from the court if, if they know that there's a family that has a difficult time doing exchanges between parents who might be divorced or um, families that need a safe place to visit. Um, we do that right here in our basement uh, in our office. We have a really nice place to do that. And we're, um, you know, well staffed and trained uh, to do those visits safely. That's really nice. And as I was walking in here, I noticed uh, there's something called the hanger that's associated with you guys. What is what is the hanger? Yeah, so the hanger is uh, like a clothing boutique. It's for any kids who are in out-of-home care. We're open every Saturday, and the kids can come in here on Saturday and get whatever they need. So there's clothing and shoes and toiletries and uh, just about anything you can think of. And, you know, some kids that go into foster care um, leave with only the clothes on their back or maybe just a few things. And so by having the hanger, kids can come in and get what looks good to them, what feels good on them, and not have to wear the, the same thing to school or wear dirty clothes to school. Um, they can feel really comfortable, which helps build their, their self-esteem when they're in this really difficult uh, time in their life. That's wonderful. Yeah, that sounds that sounds really nice. Um, so, is there a personal story that you can share? Now, now obviously, we're working with really sensitive information here, but uh, just maybe uh, you know one or two stories about uh, those who have been able to benefit from the services that you guys offer. You know, whether, again, whether it's advocates, whether it's you know someone able to get clothes from the hangar, right? Yeah. Uh, just something that people uh, can listen and understand. Really, the impact that you guys make as an organization. Yeah, I think in order to, um, you know, preserve the confidentiality, I'm going to share uh, a few little snippets from a few different cases. Great, yeah. um, I feel really lucky to work here every day because I get to hear about the impact that we're making almost every day. And that's what keeps me coming back and doing this hard work. But I know that we do make a difference for kids in this community. And um, it's really important that we're here. 
So one of these stories is an 11-year-old boy who was physically abused by his mom. The mom, unfortunately, was suffering from untreated mental health issues, and the child was uh, in the care of their grandparents. The child expressed wishes to stay with the grandparents, and it was actually the CASA volunteer who spoke up in court to the judge as the voice so that they could advocate and um, do what they call an assignment of parental rights to stay with the grandparents. Um, so the child was super happy about that, and, and they were also able that way to do visits when the mom was in a, a good place with her mental health, mm-hmm. uh, the grandparents could could do visits. And that was really important to the child as well to maintain that relationship with, with the parent. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, Another example is a teen boy who went through three failed adoptions before he finally found a permanent home. And that was really, um, it's one of my volunteers named Joe, who was just relentless in advocating for this young boy. Um, You know, he was a teenager. He'd had a lot of things happen to him. He was angry and that anger came out in all kinds of different ways but Joe was the one person who did not give up on him and just kept working with him and actually worked with one of our services here called Lifelong Links which is a family search and engagement service and we found some half sisters of his uh, who lived out of state and the foster parents who had adopted those three half-sisters actually had uh, fostered this young man at one time. So they already knew him. And that ended up being a great place for him to go. And after all those failed adoptions, uh, he was adopted about three years ago. He's still there and doing super well. Wow. So that was a, a really great um, story. And then one other story, we had a a teen girl um, who was homeless and um, her mother was addicted to meth and uh, they had been homeless for years. Mm -hmm. And this, um, there was a a fire in the homeless camp that they were staying in and this girl was badly burned and that's what brought her into the system as she ended up in the hospital with, with really severe burns. And uh, the, the CASA advocate who worked with her um, as, as she got better and was able to move on to do some other things realized this girl was 14 when she came into the system, and she realized that she did not know how to read. And so becoming her educational advocate um, was priceless for this young lady, um, worked really, really hard, um, and it, it took she was 14. It, it took about six years, but eventually she was able to get a high school diploma and graduate, and she learned to read, which is, you know, I, I don't know how you get around in this world without being able to read. So right. that was another case where an advocate just stuck by this young lady um, and helped her every step of the way through a very difficult time. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. Uh, you mentioned before that you know, stories like this are reasons why you're able to continue to do di- the difficult work that it is and why I'm sure a lot of the people who work here are able to do that work. What does it mean to you to have a staff that is just ready to take on these kinds of challenges and deal with some of the most difficult things that people have to deal with in their lives and help them come out the other side of that? Like, what does that mean to you? It means the world to me. Um, we work really hard here to make sure that the environment that they come into work here and the culture here is very um, positive and that they know how valued they are. 
because I really believe if, if you're going to do this kind of work, you can't come into a work, a place of work where you don't want to be and where it's negative or unfriendly or any of those things. So we work really hard to provide a really good environment for the staff. Uh, we're very supportive of each other. We take good care of each other because it's just necessary um, with the work that we're doing every day. But my staff is amazing, and a lot of them, um, we, we actually just did some research that the average time staff have been here is five and a half years, which I think wow. is really amazing yeah. um, for any place, but but especially for a nonprofit doing this kind of difficult work. And so I think that's a testament to, to what we're doing here and how well we care for our staff. Yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely agree that uh, just knowing that people stick around, it, it's not something you see all the time anymore, right? And like you said, especially in the nonprofit world, I think there tends to be a, a fair amount of turnover. And so, yeah, to see five and a half years as the average, I'm sure there are plenty that are over that five and a half year mark, but that's incredible. For those who may be seeking services, and even if they may not know it, I, I think a lot of the individuals you work with may not you know, be aware that something like this exists. How can they find out about it? How can they go about obtaining those services? Well, there's lots of information on our website, casappr.org. And so if someone's in a, a situation where maybe they have a family member who's involved in the system or someone who's directly involved in the system that maybe feels like a CASA would be a benefit to them, but they do not have one, um, if they're involved in the system, they can ask their, you know, caseworker or their guardian litem. Um, to, to get a CASA on the case, and they can request one. Um, if it's someone who has a family member and they're not directly involved, they can certainly uh, give us a call here, and we would be happy to help walk them through how they could get a CASA involved in their family's case. Very good. And then for those who are listening that think, wow, this is incredible. Like, this is something I want to be a part of, uh, whether it be from, you know, point A to point Z, right? <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of opportunities. Uh, how can those people get involved and what sort of opportunities are available to them? Well, you can become a, a CASA advocate, which are the ones who work with the kids who have been abused and neglected. And that um, particular opportunity takes about three to five hours a week. You have to be 21. We'll train you as long as you have a love for children. That's really all you need. Um, to do the supervised visits, the training um, is a little bit less, about 20 hours. You only have to be 18 to do that. And you work about two four-hour shifts a month. So it's a, um, not quite as time-consuming as, as being an advocate. Of course, we're always looking for people to maybe help out in the office. They can help out in the hangar and work with the kids in the hangar that we spoke of earlier. So there's lots of ways to plug in. You could get involved with one of our fundraising events. So if you're interested, I encourage you to go to our website. Again, all the information is there. We have information hours once or twice a month that people can come and figure out if this is a good fit or not for you. And um, we'd love to have more people come volunteer. That's how we serve more kids. And we want every kid in El Paso County that needs a CASA to have one. Wonderful. And is there anything else that you'd like to add uh, that our listeners should know about? I just want to say thank you to the county for giving us these ARPA funds. We, we can't do this work without paying our case supervisors to help these volunteers through these really rough cases. So we're always in need of funding, and I really appreciate them um, 
giving funding to places who are making a difference here in our community. And we're proud to be here and make an impact and um, do great things for this community. And we'll continue to do so. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Angela. I appreciate you taking the time today and for the work that you guys do here at CASA. So thank you for taking the time. Thanks, Scott. If you're interested in listening to additional episodes of Beyond the Dais, you can search for us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.